Welcome to the Steve Stein Guitar Podcast, brought to you by GuitarZoom.com. If you want to improve your guitar playing, keep listening. If you want to improve even faster, go to GuitarZoom.com, where you'll find all of Steve's premium courses, masterclasses, and memberships that'll help you quickly and easily improve your playing. Now, here's your host, Steve Stein. I'm going live again. What we're doing now is we're going to be talking about chords. This is a workshop, a live workshop that I'm going to be doing every other day for the next week and a half or so. So we're going to be talking about chords. We're going to talk about rhythm, different things like that to try and develop those. I get a lot of questions about how to make chords better or how to make chords cleaner or how to get to chords faster or how to make rhythm sound more authentic, all those kinds of things. And so what I did was I came up with a new guitar course. It's called Chord Mastery, and you can check it out at uh, guitarzoom.com. And uh, so that's what we're going to be doing is I'm going to be going through and giving you a bunch of different information to try and utilize to make your playing better. Okay, so that's what we're going to be doing. So if you get a chance, head over to guitarzoom.com, check out Chord Mastery, see what you think of it. And uh, let me just say hello to a couple people here. Now, if you're in a Facebook group, please remember to just add your first name when you make a comment so I know who you are. Um, There's a limitation with Restream, which is what I use to do this. And, uh, and Facebook. So if you're on Facebook somewhere, just put your name in there and I'll see it. So hello to Shanna. Peter is here. Thank you for being here. John is here. Rich is here. Pam is here. Utsoff is here. Dale is here. Robert is here. Again, lots of people are here. We have almost 300 people already and I haven't even gotten started. So thank you so much for everybody being here. So today what we're going to do, we're going to talk about daily practice routine for chord development. Okay, now this could be basic chords, this could be other things that you're working on, it could be all kinds of different things. But just to tell you a real quick story, when I was a kid and I was learning how to play, I had this Mel Bay book. I was, whatever, 11 years old or something. I had an acoustic guitar and it failed miserably. Maybe I was even younger than that. So I always tell people I officially started playing when I was 13 because that's when I got my electric guitar. I got a few lessons and really kind of figured the whole thing out. But my first chance at trying to learn how to play, I had this old acoustic guitar and the strings were about that far away from the neck and I had this Mel Bay book and it would show me like a strumming pattern and then it would tell me to make a chord and then try and put the two together and this sort of thing. And then I would try and switch to a chord and here's what would always happen with me is I'd start playing and I'd do stuff like this. Let's say I'm going from G to D, just a hypothetical here. And I would sit and I would do that and it was like I was never getting anywhere. Well, somewhere along the line, after I had quit playing and and I got my guitar when I was 13 and started learning how to play, I started realizing, and this is kind of what blossomed into me becoming a guitar instructor, was I had to learn how to break things down further and really understand what I was trying to do. So what I want you to think about here is this. For the rest of your life, understand that your right hand and your left hand really aren't friends, right? They're really not padres, okay? They don't even really like each other. They just learn to tolerate each other and then eventually they learn to move together, which is ultimately what you're looking for with chords and scales and soloing and everything else that you might do. So if we understand that they're really not working together, they're really not friends with each other, we have to also understand that their brain is really there's two different parts to our brain. One one side of our brain is more of the analytical side and the other side of our brain is more of the creative side. 
Well, when it comes to chords, we're not dealing with creativity, okay? We're dealing with the analytical side of our brain because when we make a G or a D or a C or an A or something like that, there's nothing creative about it. It's very black and white. Either you know where to put your fingers and your fingers go there, or they don't. Now, eventually, yes, you can get creative with chords, but if we just start by understanding that chords themselves really aren't creative, they're analytical, okay? So what we want to do is stop trying to put these two things together and understand that every day when you practice, and my rule with my students have always been you practice on the days that you eat. So if you eat that day, you should practice that day, okay? Just forever, okay? It isn't like a lot of other things that you might do in life. You know, my daughter, for instance, my youngest daughter started taking piano lessons and she didn't want to practice. You know, she'd only practice on the day of her lesson. Well, you can't learn how to play that way. And no disrespect for her, it's okay because not everybody is, is, is cut out to do this, and certainly your age and you know, your, your drive and all those things are gonna make a difference, but I always tell people, look, if you really wanna learn how to play, practice on the days that you eat. That's it, okay? So today what we wanna do is we wanna focus on our fretting or chording hand, and we're gonna talk about a few different things, and we're gonna talk real about some things, because listen, I'm five foot two, I'm a very small human, many of you have met me in various places before, and I've had students that are smaller than me. I've had students that are way bigger than me. And learning how to play guitar isn't a one-way street. It's not like everything that I do is going to be done exactly the same way as you. The general idea of something. But then we have to learn how to conform to that to make it work for us. And that's what I want to talk to you about. All these chords and things and all these techniques are going to be in the Chord Mastery guitar course that you can check out on GuitarZoom.com. So uh, let's go ahead and get started. So let's think about this. When I go to make a chord, and let's just make something like A, and we're gonna talk about A, and you might be way farther along, and that's okay, you can apply it to anything that you want. But when I make this A chord, okay, there's a couple of things that have to happen. First of all, I have to be able to acknowledge what that chord is. I have to see it in my head. Okay, I call that visualization. If you can see it, you can play it. Doesn't mean you can play it fast, doesn't mean you can play it well, but you can play it. If I tell you to play me an E flat, sharp nine, flat 13, and you don't know what that is, you're not gonna be able to play it, right? But if I tell you, make an A chord, and that means something in your head, you can see it, you can visualize it, that means you can play it. So I make this A chord, okay. So the first thing I wanna to talk to you about is this. When I make this A chord, and again, I wish I had another camera angle, it's coming soon, but I don't have the switcher for a close up, so just bear with me here. So when I make this A chord, what I'm trying to do is press on the second and third and fourth strings. I'm trying to not touch the first and the fifth strings. And then I'm going to try not to strum the sixth string at all. And that's asking a lot. If you've just started playing or you've been playing for a little while and you're just learning your chords, that's a lot to ask. That you should press on certain strings, not touch other strings, but still strum them and make sound from them, and then avoid some string entirely. So that's what I want to first start off talking about. Now, when I make this A chord, you can see that I'm using my first, second, and third fingers. And this could apply to any chord again, okay? So I'm using my first, second, and third fingers. Now, sometimes when I make the A chord, I'll use my second, third, and fourth fingers. Why? Because they fit in there better. I don't know why. Sometimes when I make chords, my fingers just go there and they do whatever. But oftentimes when I do this, they'll fit better because my first finger is thicker than my pinky. So what I want you to think about is when you make a chord, even though the book or your teacher or whatever says you need to make it this way, and I'm not saying that they're wrong, 
But what I'm saying is you have to figure out in the real world what way is going to work best for you to execute it so it sounds good. So if I make this chord right here with these three fingers, this A chord, and I strum it or pick through it, all the notes that I want are functioning. Well, how is that possible? Well, the first thing I want to talk to you about is your wrist placement. Now, when I'm making a chord like A, I don't want to be up like this because my wrist would be sitting like this. Therefore, my fingers are going to be laying all over the strings. I have to learn to bring my wrist downward so I am not touching this first string. I have to have space under here so I'm not touching this first string. Now, in order to get this wrist down here, I need to make sure that my guitar neck is up a little bit, my elbow is comfortable, my shoulder is comfortable, right? If I do this, understand that now this is all maximized here, and it's not very comfortable on my wrist. I'm going to hurt my wrist. So I want you to think about when you first play, again, this could apply to scales to anything you want. You want to make sure that this guitar is in a comfortable position. Okay, I've got it all the way up against my body. I'm not turning it or something so I can see it. Because again, that's going to make everything more difficult. You've got to have it straight up against my body so I'm ready to go. Okay, the neck is angled up a little bit, gives me a little bit of room. And if I was playing standing up, I would have that neck angled up anyway. Okay, so now I've got some room for my wrist to be down. My thumb is sitting back here. Now, if you have really big fingers, which I do not, I don't know what it's like to have big fingers, long fingers. I, that would be weird on my very short body, okay? So when I'm playing, you might be able to put your thumb up here and still be able to reach around like this with your wrist and be very comfortable, and that's awesome. I'm just saying find a way that works for you, okay? Now, let's say, for instance, you had thicker fingers, right? I always like to talk about this NDSU. I, I, I live in near Fargo, North Dakota, and we have a, a football team, NDSU, North Dakota State University. I used to teach somebody on the team, and this uh, gentleman was very, very, very tall and very big, and one of his fingers equaled about three of my fingers. So I was teaching him how to play the A chord, okay? And when we went to play this chord, there's no way he was going to fit three fingers in there. There was no way, okay? They weren't even going to fit in the fret, let alone touch other strings. So for him, we tried to do two fingers, pressing on three strings with two fingers to make it work. Why? Because there's only two choices you have. Either you find a way that works or you stop playing guitar. And I don't want you to stop playing guitar. So you've got to find a way that works. It might not be the way that I do it. It might not be the way that you envisioned you would do it. But you've got to find a way that works. So he used two fingers. Still didn't work. His fingers were still too big. So he used one finger over those three strings. Now in doing that, this is my second thing. It's called a string sacrifice. In doing this, playing with one finger, he could not get the first string to ring out like it's supposed to. He could place his first finger on there and play the chord, but he would not get the first string to work. Now, Again, maybe over years of practice, maybe he developed the ability to do that. Maybe he didn't. But again, he's only got two choices. Either he finds a way that works or he stops playing guitar. And I don't want him or you to stop playing guitar. Okay? So in his learning how to play this chord, he had to sacrifice the first string. Now, why am I saying this? Because sometimes when you make a chord, especially when you first start practicing something, whatever it might be, it doesn't work exactly the way you want it to. And you have to find this happy medium between sacrificing certain elements of perfection to continue moving forward. As you continue practicing, 
a lot of times, a lot of these things will start falling into place. As you practice more, all of a sudden, your wrist will feel more comfortable, your fingers will feel more comfortable, you'll wind up in the right place as you're playing, and all of a sudden, these things will start working. And I find this very, very important when you're dealing with students that have only been playing from, you know, zero to a year or something like that, somewhere around there. Because if you don't deal with these things, they wind up feeling like failures. I can't do it the way you're doing it. It doesn't work for me the way you're doing it. Well, let's find a way that works for you. And maybe a week from now or a month from now or three months from now, you're going to find that my way actually works better for you as you continue doing this. Now, I'm not saying I want you to learn the wrong way. I'm saying I want you to be realistic about this chunk of wood and the body that you were given and the hands you were given to figure out what works best. Now, again, I'm going to move on from there, but just so you understand that. I see questions like this all the time where people are saying, hey, I'm learning how to play bar chords like a fifth string bar chord. And some of you will know exactly what I'm talking about. A fifth string major bar chord, but when I do it, I can't get that first string to work without sacrificing that second string. Again, in the real world, you have to figure out what works best. If you were making a fifth string bar chord and you couldn't get the first string to work, but your second string is working, that's okay, work with that. Hopefully someday we can get that first string to work, but at least right now that you've got a sequence of four strings that's actually functioning for you. If you sacrifice trying to get that first string to work, and you sacrifice the second string by trying to get out of the way, and now that second string isn't working, the second string, and again, I, I know I'm talking above some of you because you don't know what a fifth string bar chord is, but for those of you that do, if I'm making a fifth string bar chord, that second string is a million times more important than the first string. So the fact that you get the second string to work is way better than sacrificing the second string to get the first string to work. Do you understand what I'm saying? So when you're making chords, sometimes the last string or something might not work, but if you can get a sequence of notes that are functioning, that's okay, that's what we want, okay? So sacrifice, that's one thing, okay? Originality, okay? That's the other thing, is, is you figuring out a way that works for you. That's what I want you to think about. So let's go back to this A chord. So now I've got this A chord, and maybe this first string is working, maybe it's not, but I do have all the rest of these that are functioning the way I want them to work, okay? So once I've got that, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go with it. Maybe the first string isn't working, but I'm gonna go with it. I wanna start learning how to play guitar, okay? And hopefully that first string, as I keep practicing and trying things, eventually it'll, it'll work its way out and it'll start working. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. But I've got a functioning A chord, okay? And you've decided you wanna use these three fingers or you wanna use these three fingers or you wanna use these two fingers or whatever works, we're ready to go. Okay, so now, next step, which is what we really want to talk about today, is in your daily practice, what you need to do with your fretting or cording hand, fretting mean I'm playing on frets, cording mean I'm making chords, right, Whatever, however you want to think about it. As I'm doing this, what I need to do is train this hand to understand what I want it to do. Now, what I did as a mistake that I don't want you to do is I would make the chord and then I would practice whatever strumming pattern for five minutes, okay? And then I would make a different chord and I would strum it for five minutes, okay? And that's fine, but you're really not working on the ability of making that chord when you're doing that. You made the chord and then you forgot all about that and started working on strumming. That's a different thing. These two, they're not necessarily working together. So what you have to do is you have to focus on muscle memory, okay? When you make this chord, 
here's what I want you to do. You have got to see it. You have got to visualize it. Don't get caught in rock star syndrome. Rock star syndrome is when I get students that come in that for whatever reason they were told they're not supposed to look at their guitar when they play. That's like saying you should close your eyes when you drive, right? You need to look at what you're doing. Someday maybe you won't look at your, I'm not gonna say every time I get on stage I never look at my guitar. I'm not a rock star and that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to play my guitar really well for people that wanna hear me play. So sometimes I look at my guitar, sometimes I don't, but my goal is not to never look at my guitar. And certainly if you're just learning how to play, you should look at your guitar. Look at what it looks like. Look at what your fingers look at. Look at what your wrist looks like, right? Envision this whole thing so when somebody says A, an A chord, you see this. This is what you see in your head, okay? So that's the first step to muscle memory. You have got to see it. If you can't see it, you can't play it. Second thing I want you to think about. Once you've made that chord, and you've made it over and over, you're trying to make that chord, you're trying to figure out where your wrist should go, you know, make sure your notes are working, whatever. You figure that out. The next thing I want you to do is start doing what I call bouncing. And we talk about this in the course, in the chord mastery, we talk about all this sort of thing. So what I'm going to do is I'm gonna pretend, pretend, like my, core, my fingers are super glued together, okay? And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna take those fingers and I'm gonna lift them up and I'm gonna retain that shape, and then I'm gonna set it down. Now in reality, the actual practice isn't the setting down, it's the holding it. This is the practice, is training yourself to understand that when you want an A chord, there it is. This is it. And all I need to do then is set it down. Now, of course, by my visualization and, you know, all these different things, I'm going to learn how far, you know, I don't want to make A up here necessarily. I want it down here. So I need to learn how far away it needs to be and all that sort of thing. But I have to be able to lift those fingers up and then set them back down where they want to be. Now, I'm looking at you, but I can see myself playing. What I want you to do is look here and lift it up and set it down. Now, do not make this into a whatever humans do, this shred thing, where it's supposed to be 785 miles an hour, it's not that. It's not how fast you can do it. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with picking it up, retaining, maintaining that shape, and then setting it back down where it needs to go. You lift it up, you hold it, and you set it back down where it needs to go. Now, I always do this in my classes. If anybody out there has ever been in one of my classes before, I have everybody set their hand down on their lap, and then I count to three, and if they can make that chord faster than me, I will buy them a pizza from anywhere in Fargo that they want. I'll buy them a pizza anywhere. Now, I get to cheat because I'm the one that gets to count, right? So I can count however I want, but don't tell them that. So when I want to make this chord, what I do is, instead of going like this, which is what I used to do when I was, when I was a kid, and I would build the chord. Well, I'm building the chord, the music's playing, I'm already late. What I need to be able to do is lift up my hand, make the shape that I want. I'm visualizing, right? I can see the guitar, and then I set it down. So I look at the guitar, pick up, set it down. It goes exactly where I want it to go. Every time, my fingers will go exactly where I want them to go. That's what I want you to think about. That's a daily practice routine. Now, you don't have to set it on your lap every time. You might just be here, lifting it up, setting it down, lifting it up, but again, don't misdirect yourself to going, well, it should be fast, or, you know, I can do this while I'm watching TV, and then all of a sudden you're doing this, right? Focus. Whenever you practice anything, 
on the guitar. Focus. Turn off your phone. Turn off the TV. Go somewhere where it's quiet. I don't know, whatever you have to do, but focus. You're better off practicing half the amount of time, but really, really putting focus on what you're trying to do. So for me, it isn't about whether you practice for 30 minutes or an hour or two minutes or two hours, excuse me, or whatever it might be. Two minutes probably isn't good. It's how much time did you spend focused when you did practice? How do you feel about your practice that day? Do you feel like you made progress? If you were only halfway in it, you could, probably could have been doing something else that would have been more beneficial for you. So really focus when you try and do these things, okay? So you lift it up, you set it down. That's what bouncing is. You do it over and over and over and over. And I'm not saying that it might not get fast as you get comfortable, of course. The better you get at things, the faster you can do them, okay? D, same thing. Now D, if you look at my wrist again, my wrist is downward, making this chord. But now D is a little bit harder because all the fingers aren't locked together like on an A chord, they're locked together. So I can lift them up as a group, right? D, they're not locked together like that. They're separated, okay? So I have to get used to being able to lift them and hold all of these tendons together in this one space so I can set it down, lift it up, set it down. Now another thing I want you to think about when you're making these chords is understand that the closer you get to the fret wire, these actual silver fret wires, we'll call them frets, okay? The space is really the fret. We want to get as close to the wire as we can. The closer you get with all your fingers to that wire without getting on top of it, the easier it's going to be to make your chords sound good. Now on an A chord, it's a little hard because you have all three in the same fret. On a D chord, they're all spread out so it's a little bit easier to do. Again, just tips to think about a little bit, okay? I know there's a lot of chat, but I'm going to keep going here just because we have a lot of people here, okay? So lift it up, set it down, bouncing. Now once you get used to bouncing, the next thing I always tell people is a technique that I call lift and shift. If you want to learn how to play songs, you have got to learn how to move chords back and forth. If I'm on G and I want to go to D or A, whatever it is I want to do, I have to be able to move the chords. What, what does that mean? Well, two things. Number one, I have to bounce each chord independently to get comfortable with it. Then the second thing that I can do is I can start learning to lift and shift, which is if I'm on G and I want D, I lift and shift to the D and I set it down. If I want A, I lift and shift to the A and set it down. And that's all because of bouncing. But I can move back and forth. I could practice just G and D back and forth. And this is the wonderful part of this practice routine is that if you're trying to do a lift and shift to play a particular song that you want to do, and you keep finding that every time you go to D, you're not able to get there correctly, cleanly, whatever the word is that we might be looking for, you already know you need to back off and practice bouncing that D over and over and over again. That's what you need to do, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Actually, that's the most wonderful thing ever because then you know what you need to work on as opposed to, I'm not sure what I should be doing. Well, this is what you need to be doing. Now, do you need to bounce 35 chords? No, okay? If you just started learning how to play, you need to learn how to play one or two or three or four chords so you can learn how to play music. Now, I'm not gonna tell you which chords I recommend that you learn how to play. That's a conversation for another day. But certainly we know we play G or D or A or C or E minor or these kind of chords a lot, right? So those are chords that we need to focus on. But the bottom line is, if you know 40 chords, but you suck at all of them, 
you can't play anything. It doesn't matter how much information you have. I always get really frustrated when people go down this path because they get frustrated. Okay? I'd rather have you have a little bit of information but be really good at that information because you can make music with it. And then you can learn a little more information which expands that. And you learn a little more information which expands that. And it just keeps going. But you've got time. You have to be patient with this. Okay? So G to D, bouncing. And then lift and shift. They move back and forth. Well, what you'll find as you do this, now this is my next thing here, convenience. When I'm on G, you'll notice I'm playing a four-finger G. Now, you might play a three-finger or something, and that's okay. Again, we talk about all this stuff in the uh, Chords Mastery course, which is available through GuitarZoom.com. Somewhere on there, there's going to be a link for that. You can check that out, and please do, because if it helps you, I would love for you to check it out. Now, when I'm making this four-finger G course, or chord here, and I want to go to D, what I already realize, and this is what I call a pivot point, is that my third finger is already in the proper space when I move to D. So I wouldn't have to lift up this ring finger. I could leave it there and pivot on that third finger. Now some of my students don't like to do that pivot. Some like to lift and shift. It feels better to them to lift the whole chord up and shift it, and that's okay. I'm just telling you these are options for you to think about when you're doing your daily practice routine, okay? So I'm lifting and I'm shifting, or I'm pivoting. Now pivoting isn't always an option, okay? Now before I go on to the next thing, I know there's so many people mentioning things out there and I just have so much to go through here for you, but I just wanna make sure I'm on the right place here. Okay, good, perfect. So here's something else I want you to think about. When I make a D chord, it's like I'm driving a car. The wheel probably isn't that big, but you get the idea. So I'm on a D chord. My wrist is facing outward. My elbow is facing outward. Sometimes I even make a D with the thumb over the top. Even though I tell people you should play with your wrist down, okay? Why? Well, because it's comfortable for me to do it this way. If I was doing A, I'd probably have to shift down a little bit, though, to make sure that first string is available. But if I'm on D, I don't have to worry about that. So if you see my wrist come up a little bit, that's because it's comfortable for me, and I'm okay with that. You'll never see me do that on an E minor because I couldn't reach. I have to be down like this because of the size of my arm and my fingers and all that. I have to reach, I have to come around to be able to, to have space for those open strings. Now, here's what I want to show you though. Here's your D chord, and you're going to be able to watch this later, whether it's on YouTube, Facebook, whatever. And we do have a um, chords workshop Facebook group, and in there I go live just for that group. So if you want to join that group, you can always head over there, just do a Facebook search for Steve Stein Chords Live Workshop or something it's called. Um, and I go live there just in that group and answer questions and things like that in that group. So if you have more questions, please join that group and we can talk. Okay, so here's D. Now, if I wanted a C chord, if you've ever played a C chord before, a traditional C chord, that looks like this. Now, in order to play the C properly, if I left myself in this steering wheel position, it would be very hard for me to get this C chord to function properly. What I have to learn to do is take this elbow and my wrist inward. I turn inward. And when I do that, watch what happens to my fingers. See how these fingers now are facing this direction? Look at my guitar neck. Look at these fingers. If I do this, that makes for a great D chord. But it makes for a terrible C chord, because look at this finger all the way down here. If I turn this direction, they'll fall right into place. So you have to think about 
this. Now, again, because we're all different size, some people are taller and the guitar is smaller on them, or your, your stomach might, and I'm not being disrespectful, I'm being honest, if your stomach sticks out a little bit, you know, you might not have as much room to get the elbow in there and you might have to turn the guitar out a little bit. You have to find a way that works for you. I only know what it's like to be me. I don't know what it's like to be anybody else. But when I make a C chord, I know I like to be able to turn that elbow inward to make room for that. G, I'm okay this way. C, I want to be this way. D, I'm okay this way. And when I play, watch what happens to my elbow. My elbow is going to move relative to what feels most comfortable as I'm playing. I'm not just stuck in one spot like this. My body is free to move to make this work as best I can. So those are some chord daily practice routine tips that I want you to think about when you're practicing. Whether you're doing a bar chord, which we're going to talk about in one of the other segments coming up, or you're playing a scale. Now scales are different because, of course, you're playing single note things and stuff like that. But I do this sort of thing all the time, okay, where I'm just practicing bouncing. I'm practicing routines over and over and over that doesn't really have to... Now again, eventually these two do have to come together, right? No doubt about it, but this is just our first workshop and we're just learning how to do some things to make our chords faster and better, okay? So hopefully that makes sense. Um, I got a couple questions here. If we already know ninth and seventh chords, how can we create chord progressions with these chords? Well, I'm not sure what you mean by that. You'd have to know a little bit about your theory or not, right? I mean, you can make up... Bottom line, when it comes to creativity, making things up in general, you can make things up without any knowledge of anything, and you might come up with some super cool stuff. But it is possible that a little bit of knowledge, which we call theory, can help organize your thoughts a little bit on knowing when you could or should do things. That doesn't mean that that's the ruler of rules. I don't know what the word is I'm looking for here, but for me, I always remind people that rock and roll wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the lack of rules, okay? But that doesn't mean that there aren't times when understanding theory can be very, very, very important because there are times. It just depends on the situation that you're dealing with. So, um, what is recommended to get better switching between open chords and bar chords? Bouncing, lifting and shifting. If you want to make a bar chord, you bounce that bar chord over and over and over again. And you'll know if you try and go from and you can't do it, you're going to know why. Because if you go, there's your problem, right? If you have to shut down the machine to make a bar chord, that's your problem. You need to practice bouncing it. They're not exciting answers, but they're the answers. They're, it's the truth. These are things that will help you, okay? Steve, you do pretty well for short fingers. Listen, I always told myself that I wasn't going to be hindered by the size of my fingers or the size of my body to be able to play guitar. Because a lot of the guys that I grew up listening to, like Anthrax and Angus Young and all kinds of people, there were, there were more short people than there were tall people playing in a lot of these rock bands. Iron Maiden, all this stuff, if you've ever met these people. They're not tall people, you know, a lot of them. So you gotta find what works best for you, but sometimes you gotta find a way that works for you that maybe is different than the way that your teacher is doing it or whoever. You just have to really explore those sorts of things. Okay? How about a good way to bounce the B chord? Same thing. They're all the same thing. It doesn't matter what chord you're trying to work on. 
What I will say is if you haven't developed like some fundamental open chords and things like that and you're trying to play some crazy bar chord, I'm not saying you can't. What I'm saying is the guitar, because of the way the guitar is, is created, the one thing I would remind everybody is learn how to play some open chords and learn how to play a bunch of songs. Because another thing we're going to be talking about very soon here, I think on Wednesday, is rhythm. You've got to learn how to put these things together. You know, whatever it is you want to play, you've got to learn how to put these pieces together. It can't just be, you know, well, there's a D chord and then somebody taught me how to play this weird you know, chord because it's in a song that I love or whatever. Well, that's fine. But it's hard to bring that kind of stuff together into one cohesive place that you can actually use the information. That's why oftentimes if we're learning a G, we'll learn C and D and E minor all at the same time because we can play songs. Right, whatever it might be. We can play lots of different songs with these chords. So it's very important to think about these things. Is it okay if I play my guitar on my left leg, David Cho says? Well, you certainly can. I mean, that's the classical approach, right? The only thing to understand is when you put it on your left leg, the guitar neck is even further away from you now, right? So if you're gonna make D or C or G or something, your elbow is already extended out this far. If it works for you, then that's okay. But, you know, the two things about playing this way are, I, that I think about is that it obviously sends the guitar neck quite a, quite a ways away. And the second thing is that when I play standing up, I don't play with my guitar over here, I play over here. Now this isn't exactly the same as this, it's not. It's somewhere in between those. But again, I'm not gonna say it's right or wrong, you have to figure out what works best for you. If you were a, a private student of mine, I would tell you to start trying to learn to play on your right leg to centralize this so it makes it easier to reach. But listen, I've taught many students, which may even be on this call, and they learn how to play on this leg, and that's okay. It's just, it, it's just whatever works for you, okay? So hopefully that helps you a little bit. Um, we're gonna stop there. Please do me a favor, and again, you can join the Facebook group. It's called Steve Stein Chords something. Look up Steve Stein Chords on Facebook and you'll find it. And do me a favor and check out the course. Go to uh, guitarzoom.com, check out Chord Mastery. There's going to be a link somewhere around here, and you can see that and uh, see if it's something that would help you. Otherwise, two days from now, on Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, noon central, my time, um, I'm going to be going live again, and let me tell you what we're going to be doing, because I got it written down. Daily practice routine for rhythm development. So we're going to be talking about rhythm, groove, organic strumming, dynamics, all these different things to make your strumming, now this is my strumming hand now, to make your strumming sound real, to make it sound authentic. Not just strumming patterns, not that those are bad, but we're going to talk about some other things and not just strumming patterns, okay? So anyway, uh, everybody take care, stay positive, and I will talk to you all on Wednesday. Remember, mark your calendars and join me so we can hang out again on Wednesday at noon central, 10 a.m. Pacific. Next time on the Steve Stein Guitar Podcast, but what we're going to be doing today is I want to give you some ideas of some things to think about with your rhythm playing. 
Now, the last session we did, we talked about chords and how to optimize your chord playing, things like that. What we want to do today is we want to try and dig in a little bit more and talk about rhythm. And I'm going to tell you something that I did wrong and try and help you so you don't do the same thing. Okay? Awesome. Lahul is here. Josie is here. Harsh Deep is here. All right. Catherine is here. Hi, Catherine. Awesome. Just checking to see, looking through this. Okay. And Carl is here. Hey, Carl. Um, all right. We got already have a number of people on here. So let's go ahead and get started. So when I first started learning how to play, and I told you a little bit about this in the last session, first of all, before I even get going here, I just want to remind you um, that everything that we're going to talk about today is on this course, okay, this chord mastery course, it's in there. And what you can do if you want to, you can get access to this course plus 40 additional courses when you sign up for a free trial at guitarzoom.com. So all you need to do is head over to guitarzoom.com, you're gonna see a big get started button and you can try it, it's a premium membership, you can try it for free, okay? See if it's something that uh, you're interested in. So when I first started learning how to play, I was learning how to play patterns like often people do. You know, I was learning that sort of thing. And I'm not against patterns. If that's what you need to do to learn how to play, I think that's totally fine. But somewhere along the line, you have to learn how to listen to the music and respond to the music with something that, that feels more comfortable. And what I did wrong, not only learning how to play through patterns, but when I first started teaching, go back to when I very first started teaching, I had a class and it was a very successful class and I made my own book and all this sort of thing. And then I had some subsequent classes that came afterward. If you enjoyed today's podcast and want to learn guitar even faster, go to guitarzoom.com and click the Get Started button to get access to courses that are right for your interest and skill level. Again, go to guitarzoom.com and click the Get Started button.